You can't keep using tools of oppression and expect to raise free people. I am Akila S. Richards, and you are rocking with a community of Black folks, Indigenous folks, and other people of color immersed or interested in self-directed education. Tune in weekly for insights and strategies from unschoolers, de-schoolers, social justice organizers, co-op and nonprofit founders, recovering public and private school teachers and professors, and believers in lifelong decolonized learning. Like what you're hearing? Head over to RaisingFreePeople.com for more than 100 episodes of Deep Dope Dialogue to fuel your education liberation. What up? Welcome to episode 135. Listen, I'm going to be asking you a question or a few questions this episode and hoping that we can really work through the answers to these questions or the possibilities that come from these questions together. All right. So this is an episode where I'm asking you to listen and then just go press some buttons on your phone or on your computer to turn this into something we get with together. I so top of top, let me shout out our newest patrons, Cassandra, Cassie, Marina, and then Katie increased their pledge. So Cassie, Marina, Katie, much gratitude. Thank you for joining us over on patreon.com forward slash Akila. Welcome, welcome. All sorts of regular goodies there conversations beyond what we bring up on the podcast, recommendations of things that I find interesting and relevant to the work of raising free people, and sometimes just random live, what do you call those things? Stories? Yeah, because it has a lens, which is kind of like Insta stories. So I do those from time to time as well. Yeah, yeah. So come through. And of course, your support there really helps me to continue to do this podcast every week in collaboration with Juan Perez and Fatima Mukadam. Much appreciated to both of you for making sure that this can happen each week. And if you're listening and like what you're hearing at any time, head over to patreon.com forward slash Akila and put a little coin towards something you believe in. The next thing I want to do is offer an opportunity for folks who are not part of this first round of the equity in SDE training. Uh, I didn't like saying first round. It sounded like a boxing match. So this first cipher, yeah, this first cipher of the equity in SDE training that Malika Diggs and I are in the throes of with about 35 people for this first one, which is wonderful. We did our first one yesterday, September 3rd. We had the majority of folks who signed up were able to show up for the live, which was wonderful. And then everybody else got the recording. And we have a second session coming up on the 10th of this month. And there were quite a few folks who messaged us 
a little bit too far past the deadline and we weren't able to shift our schedules to accommodate new survey responses and all those details. So we are going to do it again. Can't tell you when, but we're going to do it again. And there is a waiting list. So even if you told Malika or me before via email that you wanted to be on the email list or the waiting list for the next one, please do it again because I want to make sure that we have your information. So on the show notes page for this episode, raisingfreepeople.com forward slash 135, there will be a link and it will say equity and SDE waitlist. You can also DM me on Instagram at Fair of the Free Child with your email address and just say equity and SDE and I can add you manually that way as well. So whatever's easier. So three things that stop us from effectively raising free people. And I want to make sure we remember that raising free people includes also ourselves. Okay. It's not a parenting thing. It's a partnering thing. It's um, exploration and inquiry and connection to relationships and community and belief systems. All of that are parts of what we feel through and live by and try to form our relationships within when we talk about raising free people. And so these three things came up as I continue to work through ways to communicate and unpack and really be with every freaking aspect of this work and offer that so we can be with that together and individually and start changing the way that we relate to children and each other and the ways that we relate intergenerationally, because all of that is tied to our politics. All of that is tied to our capacity to survive the things that we experienced. All of that is tied to the way that we participate in oppression of children or of other people in different ways. So these are the three things that I want to bring up. And then I have a couple of questions for you. Poor baggage handling. That's the first one. Systemic racism. And then lastly, partner problems. Poor baggage handling is when we're not creating space to do the inner work. When I say inner work, I mean like to look at oneself with an honest, critical, loving lens and see where the things that happened to us caused us to develop habits or beliefs that are actually really harmful in our life today. A time, for example, when avoidance, avoiding talking about an issue altogether, was actually the best decision because you were a child. And if certain adults knew what you saw or what you did or what you experienced, it would make things worse for you in some way. That was just the reality back then. So avoidance was actually the best answer at that time. The problem is, and not the problem with you, but the problem is that if you haven't at some point in your adult life assessed based on a partner or somebody you trust telling you that you have an issue with avoidance, if you haven't really looked at that and said, oh shit, yeah, I do that. And here's why I've done that. And is that working for me now? If you're not doing that, then you're in the middle of poor baggage handling. So poor baggage handling 
is when we have life experiences. We have things that happen to us against our will, even like school, like abuse of some kind, like a toxic environment at home that caused you to be away and also act away. Those sorts of things, we got to address those in our adult lives. And even though we, maybe many of us might know that, it isn't easy to know where to start or to know what support looks like for that or to wonder whether we can afford if we think therapy or counseling is the option. So I'm not proposing here that the response is, or the answer to this is to just get better at baggage handling. What I'm asking is, what are some things that you've done to get better at baggage handling? What sort of ways have you assessed who you've had to be and put that up next to who you would want to be and seeing what you can do to bring there over here more and more and more till you become that, till you're not reacting to everything around you, but you really do bring your full, powerful, present, loving, mindful self to your relationships quite often. Not always, but quite often. Let us know that. Poor baggage handling. Tell me some of your strategies or buck up, <laughs> meaning things that you just came across right quick. It wasn't a strategy you developed. It was just some shit that was like, oh, that works. Great. Buck up. Share those, please. The next one, systemic racism. <sighs> Disgustingly familiar for many of us. Systemic racism is the embedded anti-blackness, anti-brownness, basically centering of pervasive whiteness, Eurocentric ideas and ways that are rooted in oppression and dominance and binaries that affect non-white people the most. That's systemic racism and that one, we know. We know what this costs us. We know how that's tied to the baggage that we survived. We know how that's tied to the baggage that our parents had when they were parenting us. We know that's tied to the baggage of the people in power who cause harm. We know all of the ways that systemic racism is part of that. And so... Same question. What are some of the ways that you deal with, face, work towards dismantling, pivot away from systemic racism? And then this third one, partner problems. And that's when using the example of a dynamic where there's two partners, where there are two partners, one partner agrees in or agrees with raising free people work. We're going to, the kids are not going to be in school, but they're also not going to be homeschooled. It's a different energy, a different way. And then the other partner is like, mm -mm, okay, you could take them out of school maybe, but they got to do their math. They got to do such and such. They got to be learning this. How do I know they're learning that? 
and they're not doing the work, the research, they're not putting themselves in the positions, being part of the conversations that help you de-school and decolonize from why we ask those questions, because most of us do ask those questions up front or at first when we transition into these spaces. I know I did. I know Chris did. And I do know other folks who, as a result of how it affected them as children, they never had to question it as adults. They just knew they weren't going to put their children in those spaces, like my homegirl ETL of Smell Good Spa, who you've probably heard me shout out here on the podcast, smellgoodspa.com. ETL and Brother T have raised their daughters. They've been lifelong unschoolers. They were never, ever in school. And so sometimes we can remember ourselves enough to pivot in another direction. And then other times, as is the case with Chris and me, even though we experience certain things as children, we still weren't able to partner with our daughters to choose self-directed education until they'd been in school for a few years and it got so fucking bad that we're like, oh, shit, oh, okay. So when we talk about partner problems, I bring up those variations because sometimes a partner is doing the work and they do that de-schooling and they, like somebody listening to this podcast, you probably fit into that space where you're a person who might have started from the space of questioning the whatabouts, the typical whatabouts, but you continued your de-schooling process. You continued to decolonize from the ideas that were forced and shifted over to your own critical thinking and feeling through your body and thoughts around these things and your beliefs and recognizing that a different thing was not only possible, but necessary. That doesn't mean your partner is doing the same thing. Your partner has their own pace. And maybe they're not, again, putting themselves in a place where they are doing that de-schooling work, that decolonization work. Instead, they're stuck in the space of the questions and leaning on you or your kid or kids to show and prove that this thing is working. That one is, of course, a really effective barrier to raising free people. And so I'm wondering, what is it that you do to navigate that, to mitigate the damage that can come from that? I'll touch on some of the things that I've heard and maybe some things that I do in relation to all three of these. And I'll start with this latest one on partner problems. What do you do when you and your partner aren't on the same page about raising free people? I know with Chris and me, and I've talked about it here before, I know that I would just convey what I observed and then what I thought and open it up to conversation. So for example, when Marley was younger, and because she always had, especially as a little, this really big personality, just really open to introducing herself to people and trying to set up play dates and just really comfortable everywhere. And Chris being this really chill, quiet dude that isn't into the peopling, that would be really frustrating for him. And so his first response was to just to try to make her smaller. Hey, don't do that. Play in this little area right here. Don't raise your voice, that sort of thing. And I saw it and I understood why he would do that because we're all inclined to do what makes us comfortable. And he wasn't like shouting at her or anything like that. But I could feel in my gut, I could feel that that wasn't okay, that it was molding her 
in a way that was, it was molding her. So therefore it wasn't good. And that we needed to find a way that she could be herself and he could be himself. And so then we switched it where oftentimes he just didn't take her to the park alone. It was, I was there or I would take her or he might do more things with Sage because Sage is similar to Chris in that way with she's not going to introduce herself to kids. She don't even want to play with kids <laughs> some of the time. So before we got to that, we were having those partner problems because I didn't want to make him feel wrong or bad. It was our first kid when it was happening with just Marley. And then even with Sage, it was the same thing. We just trying to figure all of that out. But I would just say what I observed. Oh, Chris, I saw you do this. And here's what I think about that. And can we look at other ways to blah, 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 as opposed to why are you doing that? I saw you doing that and that's not okay. And it's going to damage her this and blah, blah, blah. I didn't come at it from the space of accusation. So that's one example that may be effective. Another one is to make the resources that you use easily accessible without, don't forget this part, without stuffing it down their fucking throat. So you might be constantly reading everything on my site and listening to my podcast and Zakia Ismail's site, Growing Minds and you're on Charles Eisenstein's newsletter and you're following Black unschoolers on Instagram and you're really getting lots of different information from different spaces. It doesn't mean your partner's capacity, psyche, willingness, life schedule is set up the same as yours. Therefore, maybe you can send two things a week to them, or you can say, oh, can we listen to this particular episode together or this part of this episode together? Because it really speaks to the same thing you keep asking me about as it relates to our kid and learning and whatever, right? You can make it easier for them to get the information because that's sometimes what partnership is. It's not a 50-50 thing. It's like leaning in where you need to in support at times. And so you could do that. And as you do that, just be careful not to stuff a bunch of shit down their throat. Like, you you got this, this, and this, and this, and this. These all good. <laughs> Calm it down. So that's something that may be useful. And I'm looking forward to your feedback on these two. Don't leave me out here thinking about all of these by myself, y'all. So that's another thing as it relates to partner problems. Let's go back up to systemic racism. One of the things that I do to dismantle that, to decenter that, to navigate that when I have to, is this podcast. Very much this podcast, because the podcast is not just my voice and other people's voices every week. There's community around it. There are conversations that are happening in person as a result of what we do here every week. There are spaces being built and people being hired and volunteers and children being freed and all of that as a result of the type of work that people who are part of this podcast as listeners, as guests, the things that we're doing, the things that we're into, the things we're changing in the world. It's great. I mean, we just got back from California. And again, just like last year, we're invited into various spaces of other Black, Indigenous, and people of color who are also 
doing the work of raising free people deliberately, calling it that, working in those ways, challenging each other and themselves in the ways that they're dealing with childhood and their children and their own baggage and the results of that baggage, right? Oh, so this ties into baggage handling too. Yes. These are some of the ways that we decenter and surpass, not just survive, aspects of systemic racism. So for me, this is one of the ways that I do that. And again, tell me some of the ways that you do it. Tell us. So the show notes page, again, has a comment section and we could put things there. You can use the Raising Free People hashtag and share a comment publicly or send it to me because I can share it too. I'm really excited about the prospect of talking about these together. So over to baggage handling, as I mentioned, being in community, talking about these things out loud, being held accountable, being a part of spaces where other people are willing to be held accountable around how we navigate our baggage or how our lack of space making for handling our baggage, what that's costing the people around us, particularly the children over whom we have power. Your baggage with your mother how is that affecting the way that you're raising your son, the way that you're raising yourself, the things that are happening to you that you haven't been in a position to walk away from? Like, this is real shit that we face. So, raisingfreepeople.com forward slash 135 if you want to be part of the conversation around these three things that effectively stop us from raising free people. Thank you for listening. Much love. Chat to you next week.